this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. So that no one will ask you to do them again. Yeah. So I, the best way that I can give this advice is, um, you know, when someone asks you to do something that's just like really irritating, like, you know, ask you to help them move. That's a perfect example. Especially after you've, you've kind of, you're, you're in your mid twenties at this point and all your friends have moved 15 times in the last two months or something. Um, and you're just kind of tired of people asking you to help you move. So the way that you implement this particular plan to, mm-hmm. is um, you say, okay, you agree. You agree to help them move. You show up and you just break their shit as you move it accidentally. And you don't, you just kind of, you just half ass all of it the whole time. You basically make it not worth their time to ask you to help. Sure. Um, there's lots of, there's lots of really specific ways you can do this, which is like just dragging your feet, Uh um, being weirdly distracting while they're trying to plan their day, adding to their stress in minor ways, nothing, I mean, you don't want to go out of your way, but just pile it on, you know, bring your own anxiety to the table. That's always a good one. (laughs) Um, uh, you know, moving furniture, you can always, um, you know, bang it into the wall as you're kind of moving it through the right. house, um, you know, breaking minor dishes and things like that. You don't want to go out of your, like, you don't want to be purposeful. The way that you, the way that you do this so that it's sort of blameless is that you just, you just have a really like shitty attitude about it the whole time. Yes. So that you're kind of unbearable to be around as well. Um, this approach, this is the way that I think is the best way to do it rather than being up front with someone and pushing back on them and saying, look, I, I can't help you with this. Um, or even better, you know, or the other, even worse, obviously is the one where you just suck it up and realize that your friends are going through a hard time and you really, they really need your help. And you just basically put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants or your big person pants or really preferably no one wears pants, but you go over and help them sure, as best you can with their pants whatever whatever the job is whatever the thing is that they're asking you to do that you'd really rather they weren't asking you to do right um can you help me move these pants can you help me move these pants yeah. one leg at a time one leg at a time <laughs> so uh yeah I, move, I mean i move my collection of pants one leg at a time <laughs> just like, like everybody, like everybody else. else one leg at a time <laughs> um yeah the team of team of up to four four of my friends show up and we move move those pants one leg at a time. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God. So, um, <sighs> you know, I, I I think it's pretty self evident. I mean, the best way to get out of doing anything is to just do it really poorly, um, and eventually people stop asking you to do the thing. And I, to me, that's the best solution because it doesn't it it punishes people. Yeah. In a really passive aggressive way, which is important. Um, it also creates rifts and like weird unspoken emotional problems between you and your friends or the person that's asking you to do this thing. Um, (laughs) I think the other thing that you probably want to do is also recognize how guilty you feel about not wanting to do it. Okay. So you want to 
add on your own like w- ideally everyone leaves from this situation feeling worse off that's the thing i'm trying to get at oh yes okay it's yeah a, it's the step down for everybody yeah essentially you know if they come you know to kind of stick with the moving analogy is that your yeah. friend asks you to move help them move you agree because right. you you feel obligated and so then you agree but you don't want to do it and then you're mad at them for asking you, so you want to punish them. Right. And so Ret- then you show up super with, retributive. Yeah. So the day of the move, you show up with that attitude. You'd never say anything to them at all about this. Okay. And then as you move their stuff, you're just sort of, um, you just strong arm things, and you take out your aggression in ways that it's like you know you drop those boxes an extra inch from the ground rather than like sending them down gently, and you kind of, you know, you kick things out of your way as you go, and you bang things in the wall, and you. You basically just, you know, take your aggression out on all of their stuff. Sure. That would be a, a perfect example of, of a yeah. good implementation of this. Yeah. And and then that way, you know, they're going to learn their lesson. They're going to know that you're not the greatest friend to help move things. Right. Um, probably might. I could just leave it at you're not the greatest friend. But, you know, um, you know, but I think right. I'm, I mean, I'm assuming that's kind of part of your goal, right? Like you, you know, you don't want friends in general because they ask you to move shit. Not having or friends other, is a good way to not have people help you, ask you to help them move shit. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, that is kind of the logical I mean, conclusion. I mean, abstinence from friendship is really the only way. <laughs> it is really, yes, yeah. I think actually this is, you've really hit the nail on the head. I'm sitting here trying to talk about like prophylactics and other things that you might right. take when really you just need to abstain entirely. From abstinence only. Abstinence only. Yeah. Abstinence only friendship. This is the solution. Yeah. yeah. Well, we solved that. So that was actually a quick podcast. I didn't realize oh. we were going to get to a conclusion that quickly. We had that done in less than six minutes. Yeah. We're getting really good at this. We are getting really good at this. Super efficient. Yeah. Um, I can think of a lot of examples from my own experience where uh, somebody did something so poorly. You're like, are you doing this intentionally? Uh-huh. Yeah. I yeah. suspect you're doing this intentionally. Right. Saboteur. Saboteur. I actually, this makes me think about... Um, there's actually a really good dove. There's sort of a, a parallel to this experience. So one of the other things that you can do is, um, also insist on helping people. Oh, be over helpy. Yeah. But, <laughs> but what you want to do is you, you extract your cost for that help in the transaction. Oh, right. Okay. So you want to help people and then they've incurred a debt to you. So now they owe you emotionally. Um, this is like a p- particularly important in parenting, like, you know, parent child relationships or just family relationships in general. Um, you want to make sure that your if they don't accept your help, that they need to feel bad about not accepting your help. They need to feel guilty about it. Um, it needs to be, you need to put up a fight because obviously in <laughs> the end they actually really want your help. Yes. Um, and then then you need to provide that help at that level of like, you know, punishing them for needing your help in the first place. How dare they? Well, it, but you can understand why that's the case because they need to be taught a lesson. Of course. They need to understand that it's important to be able to be independent and not need someone else's help. Oh, so you're just doing it for their own good. Yeah, absolutely. I completely. I mean, that's one of the this. biggest things that I like. My worldview in general is that I, it's like my I'm here on Earth to teach other people how to be a good person around me uh-huh. by what I tell them what to do. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, 
So how is it working out for you? It works amazing. I have so many friends that are just amazing people that just help me do everything. I mean, it's my life. If everyone did what I said, shit would go perfect. For shit you. would go perfect. Like, like I would say a hundred percent of the suffering in this world of other people is because of them not doing what I asked them to do. Or even just what I would rather they did without me even having to ask, which is really brings me to the sort of long game of teaching people to behave the way that they should be behaving in order for me to have the life that I uh-huh. want. Okay. Um, so the way, you know, one of the biggest tools you have in your arsenal, obviously, um, is sort of like the, the sort of passive aggressive psychological warfare that that works exceptionally well at getting people to do what I want them, do what I want them to do. Uh huh. Can you give me an example? Um, well, like for instance, you're doing this podcast with me right now, right? Right. Um, I know that you didn't want to do it, but it doesn't matter because it's better for you to be doing this podcast. Right. So right. am I aware of that or have you tricked me? Well, no. I mean, how do you feel about doing this podcast? I mean, just earlier you were saying how much you really enjoy doing this, which means I, like my job is really working really well right now. You're doing a good job. Yeah. I mean, I basically corralled you right into what we needed to have happen. Um, and our lives are better for it, right? Because of my passive aggressive corralling. Right. <laughs> you're, you're hurting. My hurting. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing everyone a favor here. I can't argue. No, you can't. I mean, you do like it. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's super successful. We have an upwards of an audience. I know. We've almost doubled our audience yeah. to audience. Yeah. I mean, when we go plural, it's going to be pretty exciting. I think so. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we should have a party. We should have a party. We'll throw a liminal space. Yeah. Actually, we should have a a, a podcast launch party, even though we've kind of been podcasting now for a couple months, but. Oh yeah. I mean, we're we're kind of getting to the point where we're going to be publishing it live on on other feeds, so I feel like that's not unreasonable. Yeah. All right, I'm making yeah. a note. Party. Anyway, back to uh, the topic of how to um, do something. Do something so, so that no one will ask you to do it again. Right. Um. I. Th- there's there's a lot of nuance to this. I think. I mean. Uh-huh. I know some people in my life who are. I've kind of learned from the best, to be honest. Like I have some people in my life who are just absolute masters at this. And it's something that I've, I've learned over the years by following in their footsteps. Also by like, you know, being quite like, um, being very examining of their behaviors and the way that they, they make these moves to kind of discourage other people from asking them for various things or putting them in situations that they don't want to be in. Um, I, it's, it's a really like deep topic. It's something that, um, at some point I'm kind of hoping to like publish a book about, I think it would help a lot of other, other people also accomplish this goal. Uh-huh. Um, the, I, now I've got a lot of detractors. People have like said to me before plenty of times, well, why don't you just be more upfront and say that you're not available, um, or say that you don't want to. Mm-hmm. And, the thing about saying I don't feel like it is that, I mean, let's let's stick with the, the sort of helping a friend move analogy or example. So if you were to ask me to help you to move and I didn't feel like it, yes. I said, well, I don't feel like it, then I've immediately 
A, I've been very honest with you, which we all know is just a bad idea in general. It's a terrible idea. Don't ever be honest with anybody ever. Um, B, what's happened is I've basically said that your friendship is not that important to me. Um, my time is more valuable than your your need for help. Um, and then C, what we're left with is that I have no ability to um, prolong. Like it all happens at once, right? Yeah. So you get a big slap in the face. That all happens at once. I have to deal with the fact that I can see that I've hurt you immediately. So <laughs> that that in itself is something I don't want to have to go through. Sure. And so it's much That's easier. That's a real burden. It is a burden. So what's easier for me um, and anyone who wants to follow in these footsteps and like, you know, take this approach, which again, this is what everyone should be doing. Um, yeah. No exceptions here. No exceptions. This is the absolute truth. Yeah, absolute truth. Um, if, if instead of putting all the pain right up front and being honest about it and having that discussion with you and um, being clear about my feelings and my thoughts and my, you know, generally how I feel about yeah. you and our relationship and our friendship, right. um, rather than doing that, the better approach from my point of view is to dole that pain out over a series of really uncomfortable encounters. Um, <laughs> so you spread it out thinner, right? So it's easier to swallow. Uh -huh. um, oftentimes you won't even notice, right? So there'll be a couple of conversations where you might just feel a little bit less, you know, a little worse about yourself. Like you can kind of sense that I don't want to do this, but I'm agreeing to do uh -huh. it. Um, I might, I might be more noncommittal. Um, that's something that helps actually a lot is just being noncommittal. Just saying, yes, that sounds like a great idea. I'd love to let me know what day. Oh, that day. Well, it would work better for me on another day. Can you do another day? That's uh -huh. kind of another thing. And then, you know, as we narrow down and it becomes clear that you're willing to be flexible with your time, I want to make sure that I use up all of your patience and time with that. Right. With that process, with that process until we land on a time. Is this a little like haggling? Um, or one person doesn't know they're being haggled with. Yeah, I mean it's stealth haggling. Stealth haggling. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yes, yeah. I mean, okay. it's also it's you want to make sure there's a certain element of passive aggressiveness, right. regardless. Um, and so, for instance, even if it's a, you know, your initial offer of a time to do the move is all works for me. Um, I'll oftentimes opt to move it anyway, just because the important thing is to like in that moment, mm -hmm. immediately establish where your flexibility is. Like I need to test that uh -huh. rather than asking you up front where we lie. I need to test it more passively right? because I can't trust you to tell me what you're thinking and feeling. I have to Nobody's test that out. Nobody's ever honest about that. No. So I need to test that out by pushing you and seeing if we can get you to, you know, if I can get you to change the date or the time or be a little more flexible on it, that's right. going to help me out a lot in my goal towards being extremely passive aggressive about the whole situation. Um, so, you know, that sticking sounds like with a really good practice. It's uh, when you're good at it, it's amazing. The effects are really, 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 really far reaching. Mm -hmm. um, they have, yeah. So what, is, what does that do for morale? It's in the dumps. And okay. that's where you want it. Like if you keep it, morale like like I view morale like expectations. Oh. Yeah, if you so 
expectations. If you have high expectations, then you're always going to be disappointed. So true. If you have high morale, it, it's only going to go down. You're just going to be disappointed. I mean, you're going to feel worse than you do now. If you're feeling really good about our relationship and the things, the way things are going, it can only go downhill from there. Yeah. But if you keep it at a real low baseline, like occasionally if you're at the bottom of a well. You yeah. Know, like the bottom of emotionally, the bottom of a well is exactly where I would want to keep you as a friend right. in this environment so, as best I can. Yeah. Um, as a favor energy. to you. Yeah. The lowest energy. Yeah. Yeah. That is quite a favor. Yeah. I mean, thank you for looking out for. Well, that's what I'm kind of all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what I'm trying to do all the time is to make sure that everybody's kind of lower. The thing is too, I want to make sure you're not above me Mm -hmm. in any, in any sense of the word um, or the idea. I mean, you like emotionally, I want to make sure you're more, you're worse off than I am. Uh Um, I want to, I mean, I want to leave you sort of emotionally drained from the whole transaction. That's great. That's, I think that's a super healthy power dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. For you. Yes. That's right. my point. I mean, that is like, what that's ultimately what, we're talking, what, that's what <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, um, I, all right, well, I, I digress. Like the, the, let's stick to the topic. The important mm-hmm. thing is really just about, um, punishing people for asking you for favors or asking you for things or in any way um, inflicting their lives on your life. Yeah. So the way that you combat that is through passive aggression. Um, It's like kind of a, if you're really good at it, it's almost reflexive. Like you don't really have to think about it too hard. It's just something that kind of happens and you can practice this in so many ways. And obviously um, one of the, more immediate ways is when someone asks you to do something, you do it so poorly that Uh they'll, that they regret asking you. That's, Um, that's so, uh, the other nice thing about that, if you do it right, if you get it really nail it on the head and just kind of do such a bad job that they're, that they vocalize to you or communicate to you their disappointment. Yes. Um, you can use that to also make them feel bad about themselves. Um, which is important. You want to make sure that you visually display how disappointed you are, that they're disappointed in you. You want to feel bad about yourself, maybe beat yourself up a little bit like in front of them. Yeah. Um, you want to turn it into something that's really more about you Uh in general and not their disappointment and how things didn't work out or did, you know, the way that they turned out. Um, you want to turn it away from whatever they're going through and really focus on like where you are at and what, like why you are the way you are, all of now, those things. Is it important to minimize their experiences? Absolutely. No, okay. you, I mean, just basically their, their experiences need to be, um, it's a little nuanced. Um, some people argue that if they're even on the radar, then they, they have some, like if, if you're recognizing their experiences in any way Mm -hmm. that then you're giving too much. But I disagree. I think that there's a certain level where you want to, you want to acknowledge that they have experiences and then be dismissive of it. Oh, great. I see. That's critical. Yeah. Because uh, if it's like, as if it doesn't, you want to hook them in, right? Right. You want to make sure that they're still tied, invested and tied to you. If you don't, 
then oftentimes what happens is they have one or two bad experiences and then they don't talk to you anymore. And that's not what you want at all. No. You want to keep them on the line, hooked on, um, constantly hoping for some improvement. Um, it's, Does it help if you like do a two steps forward, three steps back sort of thing? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. You basically, um, and that's another good example where you can start out with, so if you've had, so if you've had an interaction with somebody, um, like someone, one of your friends or your family members who's asked you to do something and it went particularly bad, you were exceptionally successful and they've really like, they've gotten to the point where they vocalized they're not going to ask you for help ever again, or they're not going to ever like interact with you in that way. Maybe they mentioned it was a mistake. Yeah, exactly. Anything like that. Yeah. That's that's really Um, what you're looking for. That's, that's exactly the kind of handle that you can pick up and hold on to because you can, you can use that later in interactions. You can bring it up regularly oh Um, remind them help them remember yeah you want to remind them for sure about what they said Mm -hmm. um how it made you feel yeah um their level of disappointment in the whole interaction right um so but you can use that to what you're really looking for oftentimes there is like a second chance okay that's always a good place to um start uh, if you can get them to give you a second chance or basically like look for that, you can, that's where you can um, do that kind of two step forward, three steps backwards yeah. move. Um, one of the ways you might do that is when they do ask you again, be much more enthusiastic. Don't use the, like the traditional kind of like passive aggressive yeah. responses of like, I guess I will be very enthusiastic Um Talk about it a lot about how great it is that you you know you're helping them, um, and then when you do provide the help again, you never want to do it. You want to weigh it. It needs to be just bad enough. Well, it can never be good enough that they would ask you that they're happy with it. It needs to be a level of disappointment that's acceptable. Making your friends happy is not how you help them to learn anything. No, no, nobody learns anything when they're happy. The other the other important thing I think people forget is that um, you need to think about this a lot. You can't, you can't leave this alone for a second. So is this really kind of like a lifestyle almost? Um, or an ethos? I don't know. Yeah, maybe an ethos. Hmm. I think there's something like, you know when you think about something and then you kind of like take it to the 10th degree? Yeah. That's what you want to be doing all the time. Really pushing it. Yeah, pushing it. I, it's not even pushing it. It's like it's above it somehow. Like it's above um, thinking. Like you okay. want to above think it. Yeah. If that makes sense. I like this. Well, let's make some t-shirts that say above thinking. Above thinking. Okay. Yeah. Because that would really that help above spread the message, thinking. the good word of our uh, our podcast. Above, we are above thinking. Yeah. Because um, sometimes like you can you can think below the topic a little bit like an underthink. Um, which is okay. Uh, but I think the above thinking is the way to go as much as possible. Totally. Um, you want to be pretty myopic about it cause you don't want to be distracted by anything else. So you want to be real focused on something that also helps in the relationship when you're talking, you know, when you're trying to maintain, um, like family dynamics or friendship uh-huh. dynamics. Um, and you're also, since your goal is obviously to minimize their, the chances of them even asking you to do something. Uh, Cause this is really about independence. 
Oh yeah. No, I mean, you're fighting for your freedom. This is like a, a really important, um, uh, front in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the other thing that's like important to kind of take away from this is that you, uh, it seems daunting. So if this is like your first kind of really exposure to this, like you've never really thought about it before, or you're kind of, you're someone who's just been taking You're just a, a schmuck. Like someone's been taking advantage of you your whole life, like taking things from you. Like that one time you helped your friends move, um, you know, and they threw, threw a pizza party and they were really grateful and like all of that business. Like sure. you don't, that, that, that's what you're, you know, you're not really think like you're, you're in that illusion that that friendship was great and they were really appreciative and all of that. And you don't really realize that that's not how people think. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now you've suddenly, you're suddenly you're listening to this podcast and you realize, Oh, there's a different way. There's a different way to be. There's a different way to think. <laughs> and you realize all of a sudden it can feel overwhelming, right? Yes. Because there's so much nuance to everything. But what I want to get at is that, um, a little bit of practice in this direction goes mm-hmm. a long way. And before you know it, you're oh. not even thinking about it. You're just doing it all the time. Well, I like things I don't have to think about. I, that's, that's kind of one of the like sort of axioms around doing a thing in such a way that no one will ask you to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. It really frees up your time. It gives you the nice it's a thing lot is of time to not think about it's things. it's really kind of great because the more you do that the more you have this free time to think about how to do it more mm-hmm. um because once you're once you're along the path of like people not asking you to do something anymore um you're freed up to think about other ways that you can um use that passive aggressively towards those relationships that you're inflicted with in your life right sure um, you know, it's, it's great for friends, family, coworkers, coworkers, especially, um, I find it's, there's <clears> some, <throat> there's some particular relationships that are difficult. Um, like boss employee relationships. If you're now, if you're the boss or, you know, you're the overling working over the over underling, whatever you call it, you know, if you're in charge of some people, mm-hmm. um, this this works just as well both ways it goes up and down so wherever you find yourself in a dynamic um whether it's a you know professional environment or not um you can use this this process because um again it's nuanced like you don't want to do it so badly that it's obvious it's something where you want them to feel bad about you so it's really more of a, sen- a sense that people get yeah, absolutely. Than a, than a, right. So, um, you know, if you're in a work environment and your boss asks you to do a task, you, you want to, um, and it's situational, like you're going to have to sure. learn, you know, you draw Use on your judgment. Use your judgment. Um, practice a lot. Practice a lot. A lot. Um, you know, in one of our previous podcasts, we talked about, um, giving yourself a safe space to have failure Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. some of the other. So I do recommend listening to that podcast before this one, because it will help you. um, It'll prep you for this kind of work, but kind of in summary, um, if you can give yourself a safe space to be passive aggressive, to be um, family is great for that. Right. Because they're not, um, they're not going to fire you. You're not, um, right. you're not in that situation. Friends are also good like that. They're not going to fire you. They have even 
less say over your livelihood. So you have less to lose. That's a great place to really, really, really practice that. But when you get to a professional environment, um, you're, like I said, works up and down. It doesn't matter. You can work, it works laterally. Uh, it's just, you just want to start to learn to recognize the nuance where you can't be a hundred percent to blame for the, the problem that you create in these situations because you're trying to create these problems right like someone brings something to you saying hey can you do this task for me and then you're like yeah absolutely i will go make those hundred copies and you bring them back and they're you know either wrong sized or wrong paper or um you know slightly different orientation um and that's what you want to do is you want your quality of work to reflect how you feel about that relationship which is slightly resentful um (laughs) This is really i this is really eye opening. I really appreciate you sharing. Yeah. Your well, I look. I mean, it's I, I. We haven't worked together that long, right. right? And I, you know, you've got a lot to catch up on. Obviously. I mean, this is very edifying. Yeah. 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 Can you think of some examples where um, you might be able to use this in your own life, like right now? Well, um. <sighs> You know, I can think of other situations where um, maybe I should have had a little more insight into this process, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and it might have helped me um, establish better outcomes for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, right now, uh, I think right now I'm in a, a really good place where most people don't ask me for anything. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately for the nuance of the podcast, I can't think of anything personally. Sure. I, I can think of some things that um, other people have done in situations with me that I felt were probably pretty um, pretty good tactics to weaponize, Yeah. you know, for my own use. Uh-huh. Um, oh, like, like, yes. So I'm always like watching the field, watching other people make plays yeah, and stuff. Yeah, you gotta learn. Learn how they're doing their... Learn their methodology. Right. Well, that's one of those things you can learn from other people's failures, especially in this. It, one of the things I find, um, especially in sort of interpersonal relationships, is that uh-huh. it's obvious. It's often very easy to see the, the field of play from the outside as a third person. Uh-huh. And because of that, um, because you're not affected by the various like warfare tactics. And so you can see both moves and you can see their effectiveness. And so that's one of the um, ways that I became at good, as good at it as I am. Right. Is by observing other people in their interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think asking me to help you move is really an act of aggression on your part. Oh and yeah. So absolutely. for me having tactical understanding of how to combat that yeah. um, by doing things in a way that makes you never want to ask me for help again Right. Um, yeah, that's, I, I think I'm starting to put this together now. Yeah. This is really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so, um, I did want to kind of just point out one of the mistakes you made in this interaction. So right at the oh, very beginning, okay. um, you know, not at the beginning of the podcast, but just, just as I asked you the question, I just asked you for something. Mm. Oh, right. And you yeah. absolutely missed the opportunity to do a poor job of that because obviously you just like, <sighs> just kind of contributed, um, meaningfully yeah yes it's not good no it's not great but it's okay i mean look this is i mean maybe if i had a better teacher (laughs) now we're talking um and and so you know now we're right back in it and you can see how the dynamics like coming back into place and we both can feel more comfortable now that there's more tension again right um i mean i 
I just feel like so loose if there's not tension everywhere. <laughs> right. I just want to bundle everything up tight. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you tight. Get it. You got to so stuff tight. it all down. Stuff it all down. Just stuff it down. Just keep it packed in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I can think of many times where I, I should have, I should have done something, um, maybe a little, uh, less enterprisingly yeah. in order not to have the, the whole thing blow back on me. Yes. Yeah. I'm in particular thinking of one time where I helped someone move the uh-huh. classic trap. Yes. I, classic I, trap. Again, I really missed an opportunity there to say no. Right. Um, flat out or barring flat out do a ham-fisted job of the job itself yes. so that they yeah. would just deselect me right um instead what happened is that i stepped on a metal tack because i tried to wear flip-flops for this moving exercise because i thought uh, they would be the most opportune footwear the most inopportune footwear yeah um just you know terrible for yeah. moving heavy objects you right, gotta right. watch out for your toes perhaps i'd become disabled in the process and right right you know i could get out that way like when you get shot at war yes yeah like you try to just take one take take a survivable wound and get out while you can right yeah so actually that brings me to um i mean uh, i thought i was gonna die of tetanus for like a week so but you let them know that right oh yes i'm oh, i good. Okay. i very much just voiced my displeasure with the whole thing. Uh, I made them help me clean the wound. Oh, good. Because it was really their fault. Well, absolutely. But also you need I mean, to keep you need to keep it. Yeah. It's the least you can do it now that I'm least. dying from tetanus yeah. infection. And that's actually, I, I really appreciate that's um, something I was going to say is that the different approaches to this work differently for different people. Sure. And so you do have to find something where you're comfortable. You have to like um, work your own strengths. Yeah. Work your own strengths. Exactly. Right. Like okay. play to your strengths. Um, in that situation, I really like applaud your, because that you yeah. having them help you clean the wound keeps it front of mind in their mind the yeah. whole time. Very visceral. Yeah. And so they're, they're left with even after the event of when, what you know, in this case they asked you to move, which is a classic yeah. thing that you really want to avoid at all costs. Now, do you think it's more important to play to your existing strengths or learn new techniques? Because I feel like I have a really, um, uh, a, a really serendipitous mix of um, physical ineptitude, uh, klutziness, yeah, uh, plus a a major propensity for risk taking. Right. Um, I think you have to. It's such a personal issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, can I coast off those two things indefinitely or do I need to diversify a little here to make sure the bottom doesn't fall out? I think that's what I really want to know. Yeah. I, I, I'm always in favor of diversification. Okay. Um, as I said, like you want to um, above think. Right. Yeah. All of this as much as possible. And so if you can... And that also helps if you can complicate it so much that you're not fully aware of how it's working, then you're kind of in a sweet spot uh-huh. because it's going to be very difficult for um, the, what you want. You don't want someone to ever call you out on something like this. Okay. And so if you can, if you can keep it moving, what happens when someone calls you out on it? Um, how do I respond to that? It's not the end of the world. Okay. That's great. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Can I um, treat it like it's the end of the world? 
Well, you, you absolutely no. I mean, look, you absolutely everything is the end of the world at all times. That's the number one thing. Okay. Um, especially when it comes to people asking you for anything, that is the end of the world. No matter how small. The smaller, the bigger. If you know, if you get what I'm saying, I do get what like, you mean. If it's a smaller favor, it's a bigger deal, mm-hmm. um, because you don't you want to kind of have that like disproportionate inverse relationship response. Okay. Um, also, uh, but yeah, it's not the end of the world. If someone does call you out on it, um, you take that like any other wound. Right. Mm -hmm. And so those are your tools for passive aggression, right. Is to remind someone how they wounded you emotionally. Right. Um, don't ever let them forget. No, and the thing is you don't you don't want to ever ask them for an apology. Now, oh. <sighs> gee whiz, there goes my klutziness. Right, just like that. Just like that. Well, uh, this podcast how, is ruined. How important is it to avoid apologizing yourself for anything? Um So apology is a weird thing. Apology is a uh, it's its own class of weapon that you you want to weaponize and polish, and so you do need to flex that occasionally. Um, you don't want to leave any of your weapons like in the closet, like gathering dust, because you never know. It's a whole dynamic thing, and so the thing about apology is that you don't want to shy away from apology, mm-hmm. but you want to make sure that your um, that when you apologize, there's different grounds you can take. Um, one of the ones I've seen lately that seems to be fairly effective in certain situations is the higher ground apology. Okay. Um, I, I find that one to be pretty good. Um, and I think we all kind of know how this works. Like if you had, if you had said something to me or trans done some transgression, mm-hmm. for instance, like if you'd asked me to help you move and then we kind of got to the end of the whole situation and I kind of played the, the classic, I punished you for it in right. the normal way of like maybe breaking something of value of yours or, yeah. But then you know, I'm making, starting to think maybe this is, yeah. And then I get you, I get you to say something like that, you know, um, you know, something like you're regretting that I even, I'm even kind of this. regretting that I asked you to help. Yeah. Me move. So at that point, um, I can, I can take the higher ground or, and then if you maybe, if you kind of call me out and it's not something where I'm apologizing for my ineptitude. Yes. Right. Cause that's always the, that's the, uh, that's the lower ground apology where I make you feel bad about me apologizing Ah. because I'm, you're, you're feeling bad about how bad you think I might be feeling about this. I just, hold on one second. I, I can't take enough notes. Yeah. I have to catch up for a moment. So the higher ground apology is something that you would use in, um, so if you get in an argument and it's escalated and it's gotten out of hand and things have been said on both sides, Uh um, the higher ground apology is where you apologize first. Oh, sure. And profusely. And then you, um, and then what you do, and then you hold that apology over the other person's head mm-hmm. because you apologized first. Yep. You can't, and you all, you want to make sure you do it in such a way that, um, it, it reinforces your position in the argument so that there's no way you're closing the argument on an apology. Right. Mm-hmm. So you basically, what you do is you, um, 
you dump your emotions into their side. Yep. You close the door with an apology and lock it. Oh, so they're basically trapped with it. Yeah. So they're trapped with it because they can't go past the door now because you've apologized and you're holding it above them because you apologize. So you're, you know, you're the better person for having apologized first. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the, the most important so thing. What I think what I'm hearing you say is you really need to stake out the moral high ground early. Yes. Early. Well, with, you want to keep it in, in sight. Okay. You want to know where it's going when you're in the, when you're in the argument, you're moving towards the moral high ground at all times, at all times. And you can, you can claim it a quick claim by doing the apology door slam. So like I said, you basically, you, you start the apology with basically stating your position again about the argument, but in terms of why you're in terms of you being assaulted and your belief system being destroyed by this aggressor. Yes. And then you shut the door with the apology in such a way that they can't open it again without basically having to acknowledge that you were the first person to apologize and that you were the better person for doing it. Because the important thing, of course, is obviously having a good relationship with people. It seems like a pretty sophisticated move. Would you recommend this for beginners? Um, the best way... I think that this is something that everyone should try to observe as much as possible okay. and learn from. And you can practice it all the time. Because the nice thing about an apology is you can always... It, it's not that hard to apologize first. You don't even have to do that good of a job of it. And you as can, long as it, you you can you sacrifice in quality what you make up in time. Yeah. If you do it first, you can stick to that forever. And so you might find like your early apologies come too early for your own liking because they obviously don't give you as much room to like hold it over someone. Is it ever too early? I mean, do you really? No, no. I mean, you really. It, um, You just want to. Like there's more, you get more from stretching it out, right? Okay. Because the the more heat you can get out of the argument before you close the door with it all on their side, the better. Because you can basically, yeah. you want to think of this as like a way for you to like emotionally offload your your own emotional work. Okay. So if you meet someone who opens their door like mistakenly to uh-huh. an argument or to some kind of interaction, you can start putting your emotional baggage over there. Right. And then, and then what you want to do is just really before, you know, oftentimes people don't even realize that that's what you're doing. And then you shut the door with an apology, an upper, like an, um, whatever, the higher ground apology. Now, once all of the emotional baggage is stuffed in the house and the door is shut and locked, can you burn the house down? Um, I find that it's, you can absolutely, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people take that tactic. I find that that tactic is, um, it's not nuanced enough for me. I like to drag it out. If I burn the house down, um, it's almost self defeating. Yeah. It's sort of the thing about burning a house down like that is like, oftentimes what happens is it doesn't burn all at once completely. And mm-hmm. so sometimes a wall or two will burn down and then some of your emotional garbage will come out. Oh, that's not, and, you, that's and it won't get consumed with the fire and then you're left with it. And then that person might leave the house and go get another house somewhere else where you can't then reattach that emotional baggage to them. Right. So and now it's all like charred and sooty. It <sighs> smells like burning VCR tapes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, somebody's got pneumonia. Somebody's got pneumonia. Yeah. <laughs> right. From, from the smoke and the carpet fibers. Yeah. So I, I, I'm just saying that, um, burning down the house is, uh, 
is a perfectly valid tactic. Sometimes that's just something you need to do um, to kind of keep keep things healthy, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you just want to be careful. You want to be aware of You want to light it in such a way that it burns completely. Um, you don't want to leave a situation where you're left holding any of the baggage from the from the fire. Right, because this is a complete offload is what you're yeah, going for. Although oftentimes what I've seen is what you can do um, if you can find like another friend or a family member or someone else, some some innocent bystander, oftentimes what you can do is burn down a house and leave them with the emotional baggage, oh. which is um, is not actually, it's not actually that hard to do. Um, people don't expect it. So it's something that's like, it's pretty easy to get away with. Yeah, I can see how uh, that would be pretty expeditious yeah. out of all of the yep. the possible. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, th- I feel like we've we've gone through almost a master class. Uh, uh, trying to think of some maybe scenarios that we could role play through and see. You know. Sure. I can sure. Build some skills. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Uh. Let me start. Yeah, okay. Hey, could you help me um, clean out the gravel in this fish tank? When did you get a fish tank? I don't know. I've had it for a while, I guess. I, I've had it long enough for fish to live and then die in, and now they're dead, and that's when, why I need to clean the who gravel. Who told you that was a good idea? Which part? The fish tank or the dead fish? Having a the- fish tank in the fridge. Nobody has fish tanks. Well, I guess it wasn't really my... The thing about, like, let me just say, like, the thing yeah. about a fish tank and what you really need... Well, how big is your fish tank? It was 115 gallons. And now you want to clean it out. I feel like I don't have a choice, and well, so okay, I'm going to... But, but it's too big of a job. 115 so gallons, I, I don't... I wouldn't have a 115-gallon tank. Like, you want a minimum 200-gallon tank. The thing about... Oh, is that my problem? Is it a saltwater or a freshwater tank? Well, it was freshwater, but it... No, no, see... Saltwater fish are way more colorful, and that's really the only way to go if you're going to have a fish tank. You want to have saltwater fish tank. They were hard to care for. That's no, it's not that hard. Anyone can do it. And the thing, like you, should be doing that is what I'm getting at. Oh, Um, oh. if I had a fish tank, I would have a 200 gallon fish tank minimum, and I would have saltwater fish in it. Okay. Um, And that's where I'm just I'm confused. Like, why would you have a freshwater tank Mm. of 115 gallons? It just seems like too little it's not worth the time like why would you even have so, that i mean uh okay so instead of this one i should trade up then is what you're saying maybe yeah you could or you could build your own oh i guess i don't really know anything about how to construct it f- but you should do that well you can just look it up on the internet like people do it so why can't you I don't know if I have time to do all of the research. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. You should, well, you know what we should do is we should meet and have coffee and talk about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like on a totally different, cause I mean, I need to clean it now. So. Oh, right. Should I wait? Well, I, don't I don't want, know. I don't want to do it wrong, but I wouldn't clean it until I knew what kind of fish tank I was going to get. I'm starting to have... Like, are you sure you're going to replace it? Because if you clean it up and then you decide you're not going to replace it and you're going to use that one, like, you're going to feel pretty stupid for having done any work on it until you're ready what? to do... I feel like this is getting really complicated and I just... So, can I just pause the 
the scenario here yes. and like now we can like deconstruct a little bit. So that's great. Thanks. What I want to and scene and scene. <laughs> right. So um, yeah. So what you're sensing is like the the um, the above thinking, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so. Okay. You know, you're feeling like it's really complicated, but what you're missing out on is that like I'm I'm basically so what I'm trying to do is like I've I've built up momentum of my own above thinking and then I'm mm-hmm. trying to like mm-hmm. shift that over to you. Oh, okay. So that you can do it for me. Ah. Okay. And so um that's that's where like you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. And you're you know, you came thinking that you're asking for um, this was another thing that we didn't really talk about. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, we started this whole podcast talking about the idea of do, how to do a thing so that no one asks you to do it again. Right. Um, in this case, I've kind of, I was heading it off at the past and mm-hmm. basically kind of going right to the, like pushing, um, pushing that above thinking over mm-hmm. to you, getting you on board with the above thinking and then kind of stepping away. Because the thing about that is that, um, I, I hope like I'm not sure if this came across very well like sometimes I'm not as good acting as I am like when it's in real life um, uh-huh. but what I was trying to kind of intimate is that I was very excited about your whole fish tank situation and actually it got me really thinking about how we could really above think the whole process sure and then with that above thinking like everything's better um, for you especially because then you would end up with this whole problem right that's bigger than when you started right and so that works really well for me because also then um you'll notice at no point was i fully acknowledging that you were asking me to do anything i did notice the sidestep a little bit i thought that was very clever yeah and so it's it's really hard it's something that comes really naturally. Like once you've kind of spent a little bit time doing it, uh-huh. um, I, I, I can't, you know, you're a great partner in that regard. Like we often like spar in that way and like it kind of build up our own like repertoire of abilities and, um, right. you know, cause you want to be using them as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I, one thing we haven't like, well, what let's stick with the scenario cause I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but, um, in that scenario we were, uh, you know, you saw the kind of the classic sidestep. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was building momentum on an, um, an above thinking kind of way. And then I was, I was just about to basically hand it off to you and you noticed like, uh, you do okay. Like you were kind of, you, you kind of tried to bring it back to saying like, yeah, but I, I want to, I want to finish my project and right. like, um, and, and that's fine. Like that's part of so the, don't let people get back to basics really is well, no, but also, um, you notice like I didn't, I didn't like slap you away. Right. Like I, it's like a give and take, like mm-hmm. I let you put that into the conversation and then what I'm doing is like, I'm slowly like swapping that off. So you're left with, you're now asking me to help you clean the gravel in your fish tank, but you've already had to acknowledge that there's some above thinking that needs to be done around that. Um, right. And so that's the, this that's is a the much trick. bigger job than I was realizing at first. Right. And so you just want to constantly and be, you showed me that. as I take a little bit from you, I'm giving you twice as much back. Great. Yeah. And especially in the above thinking. So you're just so good. That's yeah. I'm lucky to have a tutor like you. Well, what can I say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, I very much enjoyed that podcast and uh I I don't know do we need to uh is, is there more we need to discuss well, on that topic? Yeah, it makes me think um oops, there I go with that clumsy thing again. <laughs> Probably the last time you'll ever ask me to help you with a podcast. Uh so I have a tip for living well in hell. Yes, please. Uh and you uh you made me realize through this incredible lesson yeah. <laughs> vivid lesson this vivid lesson in how to do a thing so that no one asks you to do it again um hell is a duocracy so do something if you're in hell yeah uh and do it without the expectation of recognition or ownership you'll be 91 percent happier on average but this only works in hell if you are in the normal world uh, all of the above rules apply still, and you should only do things so that no one asks you to do them again. You should not be helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not be helpful. Yep. Because if you help someone, you're depriving them of a learning experience for autonomy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But if you do find yourself in hell, um, yeah. then I, I definitely agree that um, doing something for the pure joy of doing it for yourself mm-hmm. or for someone else without recognition Definitely 91% increase in happiness. Oh, totally. And that's just on average. Yeah, right. I mean, that's like, you know, kind of somewhere in the middle of what you can expect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, anyway, uh, I have a lot to practice now, so. It's all right. Yeah. Well, it's a lifelong lifelong learning process. Yeah. Something you really, yeah, like a legacy almost. Yeah. like Yes, like a legacy. I mean, this is something that I, I hope to leave for my children. That's great. Um, when are you going to have them? <laughs> I'm working on that any day, any day now. I mean, don't you think that I, you say it in such a hypothetical way, but I feel like your time is well. I mean, the nice thing compression here. as a man, uh-huh. I have a lot more time to have children. Well, I mean, you say that, yeah, but well, actually, now that I think about it, probably I'd want to have two or three. Uh-huh. And you want to do that with a partner who um, is on board with the legacy. Right. That's the other thing. Now, what if your partner is not on board with the legacy? Do you have to kind of like... Well, the weird thing is, the weird thing about a legacy like this mm-hmm. is that it doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether they're on board with it or not. Oh, I guess. It, it's like both ways work. Yeah. You can be, they can be fighting it the whole way. And that's, you know, it's like we talked about earlier, you kind of have to, to, you know, adapt to it. Right. Um, And you find the techniques that work for you and you don't have to give up your legacy at all. And you can pass it on to your children. That's great. Yeah. Quite effectively sometimes in those situations, really, you know, it doesn't really matter whether they're on board or not. So. You're just going to do what's best for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Regardless. Regardless. That's that's really magnanimous of you. Yeah. Thanks. I yeah. thought so. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we had this talk. I'm glad we had this talk as well. All right. All right.